0: Uh, Great to be with you today. My name's Lachlan, one of the pastors here. So glad that we can gather in this online space again today. How are you doing after a full week of lockdown? Uh, You're staying connected with God. Yeah, He is your ever-present help through a difficult time like this. We've got the great privilege to come and hear His Word today and understand what God has to say guidance through a time like this. I'm so excited to get uh, plugged into John chapter 18 and see some marvellous things about Jesus in there. So how about I pray that God would guide us as we hear his word. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank you for the scriptures, for their commands, their promises, their direction and light. Uh, in your word today, may we learn of Christ, may we grasp hold of his truth, Follow in His steps, Amen. Well, if you want to keep your Bible open at John 18, we'll be working through the narrative there. Uh, There's a ton of questions after the service as well, so text through any questions that you've got on the screen. One of the things that struck me is we've navigated this time of coronavirus and and COVID-19. It's a time when our leaders have come into particular focus. National leaders. We've been hearing news. Jacinda, Scott Morrison, Donald Trump, China's leader, Xi Jinping. Uh, It's a time when the focus comes onto these leaders because leadership is needed uh, and leadership is very hard. And so these national leaders are getting lots of focus, some compliments, some praise, a lot of criticism as well. All of these leaders are playing catch up. They're reacting to the they can make about what the future holds. It makes me think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a leader who knew exactly what was going to happen? A leader you could trust without a shadow of a doubt. A leader who's truly in control. That's what we find in John 18. In this chapter, we meet Jesus as he goes up against three different authorities. All three think that they're in control, but with the inside of the eyewitnesses, we get to see that. Jesus is in complete control. And so here's the main point for today. One simple sentence that you can write down and take away with you. Jesus is the true king of the world, but he's not like the world's kings. Jesus is the true king of the world, but he is not like the world's kings. We're going to trace the leadership of Jesus. His calm control through three different scenes. So jump in with me at scene one, the garden, or Jesus versus the soldiers. As we come into John 18, Jesus has just finished talking and praying over dinner with his close friends, helping them adjust to the reality of to leave them. You now he heads out with them to a garden. It's a place they've often gone before. Uh, Judas, he was one of those close friends, but he'd left dinner early. He'd gone to betray Jesus, to tell the authorities where they could find. And so here in verse three, Judas, the betrayer, he turns up with a whole company of Roman soldiers, at least 200 soldiers and a commander with them. So you've got on one side, picture the scene, this decent sized military. On the other side, you've got Jesus and 11 young, timid, scared, attired men. It looks a bit one-sided. The soldiers must have been feeling pretty relaxed and confident. Have a look at verse four. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who are you looking for? Jesus had not been taken by surprise, he knew exactly what was coming. So he takes the lead. He doesn't wait for them to come to him. He goes out to them. He's the first one to speak. And they answer him, Are we looking for Jesus the Nazarene? He replies, That's me. And when he says that, Have a look at verse 6. They step back, they fall to the ground. These 200 tough Roman soldiers, one Jewish man, all the soldiers before him. What? This wasn't their plan. They thought they were in the position of power, of control. But no, this man, Jesus, is in control. See, when Jesus says, that's me, he actually reveals to be God, the eternal creator of the universe. He says, I am. Now, on the one hand, that does simply mean, well, that's me. I'm the one you're looking for. At the same time, I am is the name of God revealed to Moses back in Exodus. The God who is life, the God who exists in and of himself, not dependent on any other. The God who is unchanging, the great God, the almighty I am. Jesus of Nazareth is no mere man. He's not being buffeted to and fro by the military powers of the earth. He's God himself in the flesh, working out his good and purposes. That's why these hardened soldiers fall before him. They've turned up to arrest God. So Jesus takes the lead again in verse 7. Yeah. Who are you after? He's like, come on, guys. Back up on your feet, let's get on with this. And he uses his control to protect his disciples, those close friends. So you'd be expecting with 200 soldiers turning up, they're not just the Jesus. They're going to round up anyone with him. But Jesus doesn't let that happen. He tells the soldiers to let his friends go, and they do. And so his promise, verse nine tells us, is fulfilled. Jesus is calm. Jesus is in control. One of these friends, Peter, he gets a bit excited. The adrenaline's probably pumping for him. He's, he's up for a fight. So he whacks out his sword. He lops off someone's ear. Notice it's not a soldier's ear. Just a slave who happens to be there. Now I can picture Jesus at this point turning to Peter, shaking his head, going, Peter, what are you doing? I've got this covered. The father's plan, me drinking this cup. It's all be. It's all happening like I told you it would. Peter's a bit afraid, but Jesus is in control. And that's scene one, the garden. That's scene two, the house or Jesus versus the religious leaders. The soldiers arrest Jesus. They handcuff him. They take him off to the religious leaders. And these are the guys who actually wanted Jesus arrested and killed leaders have been plotting and scheming against Jesus for some time, trying to find a reason to get rid of him. Now, Jesus hasn't actually done anything wrong, okay? He's an innocent man. The Jewish leaders just feel threatened by him. He's called out their greed, their corruption, their hunger for power and position, and people have stopped following them to start following Jesus. And so in verse 19, the high priest, the leader of the leaders, Jesus, about his disciples, about his teaching, trying to find some excuse to condemn Jesus. But Jesus is calm and in control, and he presses home his innocence. Verse 20, he says, look, I haven't been secret, I've taught openly. That's a little dig at the high priest. Jesus has been out teaching publicly, but the leaders couldn't arrest him publicly because the public loved Jesus. So that's why they needed Judas to to tell them where he was at night so they could go and arrest him at night while the public is still asleep. And so Jesus, as shrewd as ever, points out the high priest's falsehood and corruption. At times when you realize that someone, you're playing a game with someone and you realize that they've been letting you win. Now I know for many of you that won't bother you at all, but I'm highly competitive. I think I, I always want to win and I think I always should be able uh, and so when I found out that when I find out that someone's been letting me win, and my dad used to do that with table tennis as a kid, oh, it frustrates me. It infuriates me because I thought I was in control, within I, thought I was winning and controlling the game, and then I realised that no, my opponent's been in control the whole time, and he's just been playing me. I think that's what Jesus is doing to the high priest here. The high priest is looking to condemn. The priest thinks is in control, but Jesus flips it on him, and Jesus condemns the high priest. And one of the officials standing there, he resorts to violence, and intimidation. He slaps Jesus across the face. So again, Jesus declares his innocence. He flips it back on the official in verse twenty-three. Look, if I've spoken wrongly, I'll give evidence about the wrong. But if I've spoken rightly, why have you hit me? Still firmly in control. Then we get to scene three, the governor's headquarters or Jesus versus Pilate. The levels of leadership you might have noticed have been scaling up through the the soldiers, then the head religious leaders. And now we're at the Roman regional ruler. Our Pilate, this governor, is one or perhaps two steps down from Caesar, the Roman emperor, high position of leadership are taking Jesus there because they want Jesus dead, but they don't have the authority to execute anyone. Only the Roman governor has that authority. Now, that's not quite precise. The Jewish leaders, they could have killed Jesus by but that wasn't an official execution. That was kind of a, a mob, a riot way of putting someone to death. They'd already tried that back in chapter 10, actually, and it hadn't worked. Jesus got away. So they bring Jesus to the governor who can have him officially executed as a criminal, crucified like other criminals. That helps us to understand verse 31. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Do you see how in control Jesus is? He'd spoken ahead of time about the way he was was going to be lifted up, raised up from the earth, like happens in crucifixion, the Roman way of executing someone. You can find that back in John 12, verse 32 to 33. See, the Jewish leaders thought they were taking Jesus to Pilate, but Jesus has been in control the whole time. you getting the picture? The Jewish leaders aren't in control, the Romans aren't in control, Jesus, the great I am, the divine creator out his plan. He is in control. Now Pilate interrogates Jesus, verse 33. Are you the king of the Jews? But still, Jesus isn't the one on trial here. Jesus flips it back on him. Is that what you think? Or is that what others have told you? Now Pilate tries to distance himself and turn it back on Jesus. I'm not a Jew, he says. It's the Jews who have brought you here. What have you done? But Jesus isn't going to let Pilate be in control here. Not going to let Pilate dictate the conversation. Look at verse thirty-six. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Jesus makes it clear to Pilate that he presents no political threat. Jesus is not a king in. Competition of the world. If Pilate is worried about an uprising, then he shouldn't be from Jesus. Jesus is not looking to overthrow the Roman Empire. And yet at the same time, Jesus is saying that he is indeed a king. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the God's king who would bring God's reign to the earth. He rules over a kingdom that, verse 36, is not from here. His kingdom is the heavenly kingdom, the the reign of God from heaven all the earth. Jesus is God in the flesh, the creator and ruler of all. Jesus is the true king of the world. So Jesus isn't in competition with the Roman Empire. He he delegates authority to it. Jesus, God, is the one who brings kings into power and out of power, raising up nations and bringing them down. In chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus will say to Pilate, Your authority has come to you from above. You're in this position of holding a trial over me, deciding whether you'll put me to death or not, because I've let you have that authority. Pilate concludes that Jesus is innocent, that he doesn't deserve to die. He announces to the Jews in verse 38, I find no grounds for charging Jesus. Jesus. Why? Ultimately, it's because Jesus is in control and he is resolutely working his way towards his death. He presented himself to be arrested and now he's come to follow their course to his execution. That's the ultimate reason that Pilate doesn't let Jesus go. But John shows us a second reason. Look at the start of verse 38. What is truth? Jesus has just told Pilate that he came to the world to testify to the truth. He invites Pilate to be someone who is of the truth, who listens to Jesus' voice. But Pilate blows him off with this reply, what? I don't think Pilate's becoming postmodern all of a sudden here. He's not asking the deep philosophical question about epistemology and an objective basis for truth. Now, I take it Pilate's asking the political question. Does truth matter? In a world of politics, if the truth threatens his power, then a leader like Pilate will cover up the truth. Or if a lie will enhance and strengthen his power, then a leader like Pilate will lie. Now, we're so familiar with this notion today, aren't we? How commonly are we hearing about fake news or government cover ups? I wonder if you saw the article through the week about Vladimir Putin releasing lions through the Moscow to enforce the lockdown and keep people in their homes. Hilarious article. Fake news. Did not happen at all. But it's hilarious and it's kind of believable. You could imagine Putin doing that. Like it's his kind of thing to do. But utterly... And that's the world we live in with social media just pushing these different stories. The the swans in the canals of Venice. Another fake news story of this time. We're hearing about Donald Trump getting his speeches fact-checked. And we're used to question... Like that, and going, Are you actually telling us the truth or pushing us a lie? At the moment, in the midst of coronavirus, China's coming under scrutiny. Have they been telling the truth? Has the government reported the numbers of cases and deaths? This is not new. This is a sadly common character in our world's leaders. They're not concerned for the truth, but for their agenda that will push through whatever the truth is. Even our running roughshod over the truth to push forward her agenda of decriminalizing abortion. The old saying goes, the first casualty of war is truth. Now, I think that's true, not just in war, but in general. And so Pilate, he's got this innocent man, Jesus, before him, says, what's truth? I can't let the truth get in the way of my political good. Friend in this... Jesus is not like the world's kings. In contrast to Pilate, Jesus always speaks the truth. He tells us the way it really is. In contrast to the high priest who resorts to intimidation and deceitful scheming, Jesus is calm and kind and loving. In contrast to the soldiers, there is no one that Jesus falls powerless before. He is the ultimate power. And in contrast to Judas, who betrayed an innocent man for his own financial gain, Jesus does not look for his own gain, but for the good and gain of his people, even at his own great cost. He is the true king of the world, but he is not like the world's kings. That's what we see so clearly, as John tells us of Jesus' arrest and trial, here in chapter 18, from start to finish. Great I Am is in calm control. Let me give you three implications of that truth for today. Number one, Jesus is still in control. He is still the King. We're living through a very, very uncertain time. While the world's leaders scramble to respond, Jesus is not scrambling. He is calm. He is in control. He knew everything happen back in his trial and death. He knows everything that's going to happen in the next month, the next year, the next decade. And so if you know Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus as your leader, then you too can be calm. You can calmly pray for our government and for the rest of the world's leaders, asking that God would give them truth and wisdom and goodness to respond and lead well. Calmly pray for your own needs, the daily provision of your food and clothing and shelter. Jesus is still in control. He is still the King of the world. The second implication is to make. Will you be part of Jesus' kingdom? Or will you reject the truth and reject Jesus? So you can live here in New Zealand, right, uh, but not recognise the authority of the government. You could you could not follow their guidance about the lockdown and just go and party with your friends. That wouldn't change the authority that the government has it would just change your position in relationship to that authority. But it's the same with you, you can choose to ignore Jesus leadership. You can live with little or no regard to what Jesus teaches and what Jesus plan is for his world. It doesn't change the reality of his authority it just changes. You stand within that world. You could reject him or you could acknowledge his rule and enjoy living in his kingdom. Jesus says in verse 37, everyone who is of the truth to my voice. Now, Is that you today? Do you listen to Jesus' words in the Bible? Do you come to him to learn the the truth about yourself and about the world that you're living in? facet of that that's brought into sharp relief in today's passage is your attitude towards the truth. Jesus is truthful. He wants his people to be truthful. Are you truthful? Are you like Pilate, like the high priest, like Judas, playing fast and loose with the truth, just serving your own agenda, your own power, your own wealth? That's not the character of Jesus or of his people. Now, there's good news in this, because if you've been up until today rejecting the authority of Jesus, just ignoring it or outright rejecting it, look, one day Jesus will manifest his authority in full, and that'll mean judgment for those who are outside of his kingdom, right? Response of a just and good king. But if you've been ignoring or rejecting him up until today, there's good news for you. Jesus offers you free entry into his kingdom. Good news of Christianity. That's why Jesus is making his way calmly and in control towards his death. He is dying as an innocent man so that you and me, guilty people, people, liars, so that we don't have to face the punishment that we deserve for our rebellion against Jesus. We're traitors. We've been rejecting the ultimate authority of the universe. That deserves a punishment. Jesus dies taking that punishment so that you and I can go free and can enter into Jesus' good eternal reign, his reign that's going to endure beyond this earth into a new heavens and a new earth with Jesus. That's a good deal. Jesus is a good king. Maybe today you'll come to him confessing your ignorance or your rejection against him and perhaps today you'll come and ask Well, thirdly and finally, third implication, don't confuse Jesus' kingdom with any political kingdom. Jesus is clear in verse 36, his kingdom is the king of this world. It doesn't exist in competition with political national governments. It can't be expressed in a particular political nation. Now, I don't know if many of us struggle with this today, but it has been an era of the British Empire, the United States of America. These nations who thought that they were the kingdom of God on earth. That as they spread their national and imperial boundaries, they were spreading the kingdom of God. No. It transcends and sits above these earthly kingdoms. It cannot be identified with them. It's good and right for national leaders to, to recognize that their authority has been given to them by God. It's good and right for the kings of the earth rule and lead in line with the nature of God's kingdom. We pray that Jacinda and our other leaders would do that. But Jesus' kingdom can never be defended or progressed by force. See verse 36. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of the world. Christianity is not a religion. Peter was wrong back in scene one to draw his sword in trying to defend Jesus. If someone puts a gun to your head or a sword to your throat and says, become a Christian, or now our country has overtaken yours, so now you are a Christian. Christianity. Christianity doesn't work that way. Jesus' kingdom does not grow that way. No, Christianity progresses and is defended by the truth. It's a kingdom of people who recognize and confess the truth which Jesus testified, the truth that he sends his people into the world to testify to, the truth of Jesus' identity, that he is God the Son, the true King of the world, who is coming to judge the living and the dead. Well, friends, that's probably enough for today. There's so much more there in John 18 to explore. Uh, Take some time to to read over it again and to meditate on what you find there. But I hope today that you've seen Jesus, the true world who is not like the world's kings. As we keep taking one day at a time through this uncertain period, it can only be helpful to know the true leader who will outlast all our national leaders. As Christians, we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you today uh, thankful that you are our king, that you are good and gracious and truthful that you rule in complete control over our uncertain world help us to trust you when we don't know the future help us to trust that you do and that you're working out a good help us to stay calm we pray for Jacinda and our other national leaders give them wisdom give them truth help them to recognize that their authority comes from you that they might humble and as part of their leadership, actually pray to you that your will would be worked out on this earth. Help them to make good decisions for not just the good of themselves, but the good of all who are in our nation. And we pray to leaders across this globe. Help us to be, as your people, people of the truth, who testify to that truth in the midst of our world, whatever opposition comes our way, to keep speaking the truth of who you are, Greatness, your majesty, your rule, and Lord, would You bring more and more people into that kingdom, submitting to Your rightful rule, even today, Lord, for those who are watching in online, who have been ignored. Rule would today be the day where they recognize You for who You are, and bow their knee before You, in rightful acknowledgment that You are their King. Lord, help us to keep honoring You as King in the moments of a day by day. We ask this, that you would be as honored as you deserve to be. Amen. What a wonderful word in John 18. And we're going to respond to that word now by singing. Uh, as it speaks of the crowns that we might have in this life, those moments of authority, positions of authority. We need to lay them all before Jesus, for he alone is the true king. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.